a sterling best of Texas final, inching closer to reopening, and Texas great Amy Olson on today's show. Here we go. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. James Smith in Austin, Joe Linehan in North Texas. Uh, here we go again. Joe, what have you been up to? Quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. No kidding. Yeah. So, no, no, no. I no. I guess we are all. It's we are starting to open up again, right? So, have you gone and kind of waited in a line for a restaurant to go seat with? Yeah, you know, kind of when they can only fill it up by twenty five percent. No, and the you know the thing about Austin is that the the that that edict came out where you could fill the restaurant up to twenty five percent of capacity. Mm-hmm. But there are so many restaurants that came out and said we're just not going to do that because it's not it, it's not economically feasible. But mm-hmm. we're still trying to do our best to you know to to use these local vendors and get their takeout and all that kind of stuff so uh you know but no we're in a we're in a bit of a rut here i i, I think that we'll, we'll get into some more detail about what they're doing in the state of texas i think our audience is going to know generally speaking what that means but it's it doesn't mean that people are actually going to follow through it's like you can open up everything it doesn't mean that people are going to be you know comfortable enough to leave the house yeah exactly what it's a it's may 18th right is when the public Pools are part of phase two that can possibly be opened, right? So. Yeah, I mean, so they may, yeah, right. They're going to make a decision. That's Governor Abbott's office, and uh, he, he'll make a decision. It's probably too little a time to determine whether or not the phase one has been, you know, what do you want to call it, effective or at least um, safe. Um, that's what a lot of people are saying. But, um, you know, I'm a fan of uh, trying to push the issue at least a little bit. Um, so that's the date that they're going to try to determine whether phase two begins and pools, public pools may be allowed to open on that day. You and I, I think both agree that that the likelihood is pretty small, but it is yeah, at least I potentially think, uh, there. I think most pools are going to start having the conversation around that time. Right. And if they do open up, it might be in the middle of June or even July. So. Well, there was an interesting thing that you and I talked about, which was, okay, you open the pools, you know, at least that you, you do nominally. Okay, then what? Like, if you, does it mean lifeguards get to work? What are the rules once you get in the pool? Who's setting the rules once you get in the pool? You know, all of those kinds of things. It's, it's yeah, like, like, like there's this, uh, I heard that there's a club water polo team that was offered the opportunity to uh, practice yesterday on Monday, May 4th. Um, at their pool by the facility and the facility rules that they said were you must be 10 feet apart while in the water and you cannot pass the ball back and forth between two people. So it was basically you had to keep your distance and probably be able to do conditioning. I I don't know if that club actually decided to participate or not, but, uh, you know, it's going to be difficult for any club swimming or water polo to if you only have 25% of your uh, groups in there, is that going to be financially responsible? So. Right. Is that a Texas club? What? Yeah, the, the, you said there was a club that may have been allowed to get back in the pool in, te- no, in that Texas. Was in, no, no, that was in Utah. Oh, okay. So, right. And But, you know, it, it applies because it's entirely possible, at least in theory, that clubs could be told that they're allowed to get back in. I'm actually speaking for myself because I know that my boss, the swim coach, is really trying to put, you know, get back in the pool. And he, he'll he do the thing where he, you know, spreads out the practices throughout the entire day. We clean the bathrooms after it's over. I mean, we got to get into the sort of unfortunate details of all of this. But there will be time. And my practices are often, you know, 10 people anyway. So it's it, it could possibly happen. And, and, you know, there are three different types of pools out there. Like you practice in a city pool, 
yeah. which is going to be different than a school district pool, right. which is going yep. to be different than a privately held pool. Yeah, we don't even know about them. So I'm kind of curious kind of whether a swim club like Nitro down in Austin, are they going to start practicing or not? Yeah, Cause, exactly. Because in theory, they don't have to answer to anybody, right, um, right. except for their members um, and uh, USA Swimming. But, like, you know, they could have practices start at 6 a.m. and go till 12 o'clock at All night. Day. Right. And just have a handful of people in the water training each time and just have the coaches come and the kids kind of come on a rotating basis. But there are other but there are other things to think about. It's not just in the pool. It's also in the locker rooms. It's also kids being dropped off. Yes. It's also, you know, those kind of little 10 and unders and 12 and unders that are kind of running around and slapping each other on the butt and stuff like that. So, you know, it's I mean, there are other things to think about besides just you know the social distancing on the pool deck or in the water so yeah no doubt um yeah that's gonna be super interesting i'm I, i'm um i don't know not terribly hopeful the, i guess one of the good things was that um swim swam austin texas based swim swam by the way go to swimswam.com give them a little plug um they had, wrote a story today uh that water polo is among the least dangerous of team sports so apparently a study at uh, the Turin Polytechnic. They studied 300 and something like 320 sports and uh, determined that, of course, the ones that are, you know, purely individual sailing and open water swimming and all that are basically, you know, entirely safe. And then, uh, but swimming came in at a, or sorry, water polo came in at a two. And that was by far the highest or among the highest of team sports because chlorine kills this stuff. And so it doesn't, deny the fact that uh, you know you can be sharing uh spit between each other to be a little blunt but uh it does say you know the chances are lower yeah that's i mean that's i mean that's an interesting study and i mean i am sure there's other studies out there that say the the, the, the complete opposite but it's uh one of those things where yeah i mean again it's not just in the water though you know so um, and I mean, it's, and that's a, that's a great study to have. And it's nice to have like a positive spin on kind of water pulp, kind of be able to start up here, but semi positive. Yeah. But it's, but it's a, but the biggest thing is I think everybody, the clubs, the coaches that we yeah, have, the club admins, everybody just wants the safety of the athletes. That's the number one priority. So. Polytechnico di Torino recommends that players and team sports be tested 48 hours before each match. And that reserve players on the benches wear masks and that all equipment be disinfected. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about a serious regime of, of sanitation and if, if they're going to move forward with this. And so are we going to start talking about the availability of tests and masks right. and, and all that exactly. stuff? I think that's a, that, that is not what the purpose of this particular podcast is. Right. <laughs> no, well, no, imagine. <laughs> nor, nor are we trying to pitch this story as like the, the solution. By the way, I'd love to see the stories that say the opposite. And Oh, I don't know. This, it's, I'm sure there's I'm, stuff I'm out saying, there. I'm sure somebody could send us to something. All I'm saying is that in theory of all the sports that one could play that, you know, that are team sports, that this would be the safest. That doesn't mean that it's it just means safest. So, but interesting news. Um, and um, do you have any sense for what USA water polo is planning to do in that regard? So and, and I guess the way I would put it is that they have to come out at some point with guidance, I suspect, right, on what is a team supposed to do 
in relation to this this outbreak, right? I mean, because uh, there's going to come a time when, let's say, my town of uh, Round Rock says, okay, you can hop back in the pool, and USA Water Polo is going to have to share some guidance in that regard. Is that right? Yeah, and this is and yeah, and this is something that all national governing bodies are kind of be are going to be doing here over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, and USA Water Polo is working internally on um, some communication for the coaches, the clubs, the athletes and parents. And they're going to get some stuff out here over the next couple of weeks. Okay. And, but but the biggest and number one thing, again, I, and I just mentioned this, is the safety of the athletes and, and not just the athletes. Yeah, but also the coaches, the parents. That is the number one thing is the safety as we get back into the pool or as we kind of kind of restart practices. And right. everybody's going to be different. You know, again, you know, uh, Texas is going to be different than California. And even within Texas, like, you know, you might have the Austin kind of area that is um, going to be a little bit different than the like the northeast Houston area, you know, and then even the northeast kind of Houston area is going to be different than the southwest Houston area. So, I mean, everybody's going to have their own issues. And it's I mean, it's going to be everybody's going to have to like kind of follow like the local guidelines, like like kind of obviously. But then everybody's also have every facility is going to have slightly different like kind of guidelines as well exactly i I mean i gave that utah kind of example kind of earlier and that's and that's just an example and you know everybody's uh, local pools are going to have their own kind of sets of those type of rules and regulations so you know i mean but usa world is probably going to get something out here over the next couple weeks or so okay that's good to know. Um, what's a little bit less good to know is uh, Wall Street Journal came out with a report today that's uh, placing the odds on the Olympics actually taking place at lower than expected. Um, they're, the uh, organizers are saying that they've been spent, you know, the, the country of Japan has been send, spending about $240 billion on social welfare. welfare. And so funding for the Olympics, which they were expecting to get in from um, from tourism revenue, it, it ain't happening. And so it's uh, and, and they're basically saying at the highest levels of their scientific community that they have to have a, a, a vaccine before they can approve having the Olympics. Uh, and they're not going to they're not going to do a half measures. They're not going to have like a smaller you know, Olympics. It's 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 either go big or go home, right? So it's all or nothing, right? So. It's all or nothing. Yeah, depressing. But uh, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily um, surprising. But yeah, it's just uh, another sign of things that are dramatically changed. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read that article yet, but um, I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, there are going to be people that are going to be forecasting this or or kind of forecasting that. And again, you know. We hear all the time that there's a vaccine that's going to be ready in a month or it's going to take a year and a half. So, you know, I don't think anybody knows exactly right now, nope. at least at, at least the layman. That, yeah, it kind of doesn't know. Um, so, I mean, I think we're I think the world is more worried about kind of getting back into facilities and kind of uh, and kind of moving forward with that. So, right. Huh. Better news actually is uh, tonight town hall. Is it the first one? Right? No, no, we had one oh, last week. So yeah, we had the sorry. so so we had Robert Allback in the Southwest Zone chair last right. week. Yep. Um, and that recording kind of will go up on the TX Water Polo website this week. Um, and but tonight, uh, and again, uh, most people that are going to be listening to this will have it'll already have happened. But um, we are going to have um, Angela Uno, the Southwest Zone co-head referee, and then we're going to talk about the new rules. Um, some struggles kind of with the new rules. We're also going to talk about how the high school um, is going to be adopting those new rules. Yeah, that's a good point. And yep. this, 
and it's going to be an opportunity for you know athletes and parents to ask some questions kind of along the way any specifics about the new rules and such um and then of course you know the need for, for more referees as we move into fall 2021 so i'm going to dial in and just give my very strong opinions of how things should be called i think that'll be very productive it's just give that strong opinion from an expert like myself we can always put you on mute it's okay yeah, that's a good point. Um, so. Hey, where's that video? Give me that uh, Robert Allback video. I gotta. I want to post that thing. It'll be posted. Don't worry. Okay. And then, uh, coaches to coaches. I know that Mark Lawrence's was pretty popular, and that's uh, we've shared that already um, from last yeah. week. We got more to come. All of them have been fairly popular so far. Um, all like all the coach to coaches are at the TX Water Polo website. This upcoming Thursday at 12:30 p.m., we are going to have um, Daniel Cox from Southside Water Polo. He's also at Dawson High School down in Pearland. Um, he's going to be talking about uh, center defense. Okay. And, uh, and then next week we have Coach Alex from uh, Pegasus going to is going to be talking about goalie stuff or like the goalie basics. Uh, and then we have Coach Sabrina is going to talk about front court defense. Then we have Coach uh, Jeff Chandler is going to be talking about uh, six on five. So that's kind of the schedule for the rest of the month. All right. Very so, cool. And then, and yeah. then, then we might have some special ones here or there kind of, okay. kind of thrown in. So we're just trying to get – we're trying to keep like some consistent information out there. And, you know, and I hope that uh, people are, are enjoying them. So. I think it's been among the only things that's been good about this uh, this whole virus thing is the amount of coaching education and, and athlete education that's going on out there. I've never right. seen anything like it. Yeah, exactly. And it had to, you know, probably had to take something like this to get all the coaches off the deck and use their creativity in a different way. But I, I personally have just learned a bucket load of information since uh, Flax and Jack Coker and coaches to coaches and Illinois, like all these people are putting stuff out there. It's really been it's really been a, a very positive development. Yeah, it's been great. And I think a lot of coaches are actually getting a little bit more technically savvy as well. Myself, I included. totally agree. Um, yep. I mean, I. I know I've had my technical issues on some of these coaches to coaches or even last week's town hall meeting, but you know, it's one of those things where I get better and better each and every time I do it. Just there like we hopefully have gotten better and better at each of these podcasts. That's as not true. Along, so. No, we still stink. It's a mm-hmm. totally, mm-hmm. yep. No improvement whatsoever. All right. Uh, let's come back with the results of the semifinals of our huge best of Texas tournament right after this. Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here, and we want to keep it that way. So we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. It's James and Joe back with you. Joe, the Best of Texas tournament is almost over. We have two final matches. Baytown Sterling, Baytown Sterling, Baytown Sterling, and Baytown Sterling. All right, all right. I don't think you need to make fun of Baytown Sterling quite so much. I'm not making fun of Baytown Sterling. I'm just telling you what the results are. So I I feel like it's a you're mocking them a little bit. So let me mock them a little bit. It's a it's the 2001 Baytown Sterling boys that will face the 2007 Baytown Sterling boys. Um, 
Owan Baytown Sterling beat Clear Lake, the 96 Clear Lake team, 64 to 36%. What well, is we're going I guess we're going to I'll ask you about whether you're surprised about these things, but is that a matchup that you're surprised the result of? I'm surprised because there was a like that 96 Clear Lake boys team was yeah. kind of kind of representative of I think they won what five in a row or okay. four in a row back in the 90s, so I thought that might be a little bit bigger group of people that would vote. Um, cause that was kind of representative in the 2001 Sterling boys. They, I mean, uh, that was, they didn't, they didn't win the, like the year before or the year after. Um, but it's, uh, it's one of those things where I think the Sterling people came out in mass to vote. So, all right, hold on. But I'll I wait. do think the 2001 Sterling boys team was kind of very strong and uh, Justin Puttable said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, like the same thing. So, yeah. Apparently your dog agrees, so this is good. Like they're very vociferous about the 01 Baytown Sterling boys, but 07, 2007 Baytown Sterling boys is a team that you've mentioned more than once as maybe being the best in the entire tournament, and they took a beat, or you know they they beat down Cypress Creek from 06, 81 percent to 20 percent, basically. Or 19%. Yeah, I, mean, I think I've been saying kind of from the beginning of this whole thing that the 2007 Baytown Sterling Boys was one of the top teams in the state. So this just kind of proves it. I mean, they had a, a stud that they had a great coach in Scott Slay. They had a deep team. They probably went two or three deep on the bench. They probably had 10 kids on that team that played at NJOs. So, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, same with the girls. So 07 Baytown Sterling again. That that year must have been pretty spectacular. Um, they beat the their their 92 version of their team, the Baytown Sterling girls, 76% to 24%. Yeah, again, I mean, I think I've been saying the same thing about that about that 2007 uh, Sterling girls. They had again a deep team, a ton of girls that went to to JOs, and that was the start of the little Baytown Sterling dynasty for girls. There you go. And, and they're going to, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go. No, they're going to face the 2014 Baytown Sterling team of the girl, their girls who took out the 04 Clear Lake girls by 63 to 37%. Yeah. I mean, uh, was it, um, I think the 2014, they had a great player in Cali Woodruff, a great coach in Alley Hill. Um, and they, and yeah, and they also had some other, other very good pieces there. Um, that was kind of towards the end of that whole Sterling kind of dynasty for girls. And I mean, I don't know if much has been heard from Baytown Sterling since then in general, but, uh, you know, Sterling was great and competitive from, you know, the mid eighties all the way up till the middle of the 2010s. So, well, they clearly have a lot of fans because we got over 320 votes. And so, you know, the, the results speak for themselves, but yeah, the, the, that was a highly favored group of teams, uh, all Baytown Sterling final. Now the question is, and, and we've talked about this from the very beginning is, uh, so these are the choices of the people, but you and I have some opinions too. So I'm going to start, I'm going to say that, all due respect to the 01 Baytown Sterling boys, but the team that should be playing the 07 Baytown Sterling boys is the 2015 St. Mark's team. That's my opinion. I think they were a strong, strong team as well. Yeah, they were deep. They were well coached. Um, and that was, again, that was kind of right in the middle of that little kind of the St. Mark's kind of, I think they've won, what, five or six? So. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's. A, do you agree with that, or is there not, what, who are we missing on the boys' side that you think that you can think? I about? think uh, I think definitely that um, that there probably should be a St. Mark's team there. I mean, or they could be there at the end. Um, there were some pretty good. I think the Side Creek boys that 
in 2006, obviously, like kind of they were in the final four there. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm going to go back to the mid 80s. I mean, there were yeah, some yeah, yeah. dominant, exactly. dominant, like kind of Clark teams. Granted, I mean, we're not going to like the 2015 kind of kind of St. Mark's versus the 85 Clark boys. You know, I don't know. Like they played in eight straight uh, state championship games. Right. You know, yeah. they were they were some of the dominant programs. Um, obviously it's a much different game now than it was then, but, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I think the clear Creek boys team from earlier in the 2010s was pretty strong with yeah, Jerry yeah. Castillo on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, was it, uh, but yeah, there's some, I mean, it's always rough to kind of compare teams from different years and such, but this totally. was good, but this has been a lot of fun. So it has been fun. Now I don't have a good, um, uh, other girls team that I think could be competitive. I think that Oh seven, that based on what you've told me, what others have told me that Oh seven Baytown Sterling girls team was really excellent. Um, but I don't know another team that could take them on. Maybe those teams again from earlier in the eighties or nineties. I'm not sure. What do you, I mean, do you have an opinion? I know Mac mentioned the St. Agnes girls team from yeah. the late '90s, and they yeah. were a very, very, uh, very strong girls team. Um, I do also believe that uh, the Humble girls team from 2006 undefeated, right? They were they were undefeated and, uh, and had eight girls. I think that was a strong, strong, yeah, girls team. I think there's been some strong teams from the mid 2000s too. You know, from Carroll to Side Creek to uh, Geyer. You know, right. you know, I mean, I think they've all been stronger. I mean. The water pole, obviously, again, is kind of is uh, much different now than it was even 10, than, uh, 10, 15 years ago. But, um, you know, there's there's to be strong girls and strong girls teams yeah, throughout. But, you know, obviously, Baytown Sterling in the championship. This is a testament to, you know, kind of Matt McDonald and Scott Slay and uh, kind of TJ Markowitz and Allie Hill, who kind of kind of kind of constituted the coaches from 2001 all the way through 2014. So. Yeah, Allie Hill is going to win. <laughs> she's she's yeah. a member of the 07 team and then the coach of the 2014 team. So yeah, our yeah, our congrats, friend. Allie. Yeah, well done, Allie. Maybe she's you know what? I'll bet you she's the one who drove all the voting so that she could get in on this victory. You know? I don't know about. I don't think that's Allie's Let's personality. Bring her on. But, Let's bring her on. We'll talk. But we it. but we do have an interview coming up here next with Amy Olson, who was the state MVP on that 2007 girls team. So, yeah, super interesting stuff that uh, Joe spoke with her for, gosh, like m almost an hour, maybe even more. So we're going to come back. We'll do excerpts like we did. By the way, just to back up a little bit, I, the in, the conversation I had with the Andrews, Doug and Tom was among my favorite conversations I've had. It's uh, I, I learned so much. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about uh, about Amy Olson, how she came up through the Texas ranks and then became really I mean, would you say she is in the conversation of the best women female player that ever came out of the state of Texas. I would say she's in the conversation and probably in the top, uh, probably two or three. Yeah. At worst. At worst. I mean, and uh, was it, I mean, yeah, I mean, she uh, started playing. She went to, Sp to Speedo Cups, which is now the Champions Cup. She won three state championships. Uh, I think they got second place her freshman year. Then she also won three state MVPs. Um, she went to Iona, where she got her school paid for pretty much everything by um, academics and athletics, and was first team all um, uh, was first team all uh, conference mm -hmm. for four years, and then she was three time All American, and then she also played at the NCAA championships for three years, 
And then after that, then and yeah, and then she went and was a professional water polo player in Europe for three years. Right. That's a that's something that people may not know about. Like she, yeah, exactly. she, yeah, she left the states and she did this professionally for a while. That's a big deal. And then she even got her master's degree paid for by the professional teams over there. That's so. an interesting story. All right, you're gonna hear about that. You, you will hear that, and then you will hear more of that this coming uh, Thursday ish, if we if it all works out the way we want to. But um, we will return with that in just a second. Hey, this is Mark Lawrence from Austin College, head coach of the men's and women's waterpolo programs, and home of our kangaroos. When I'm interested in uh, what's going on with Texas waterpolo, I always listen to TX waterpolo podcast. Welcome. To, uh, today we have Amy Olson, who graduated from Ross Sterling High School in 2010. So, um, so Amy was also the three-time state champion in 2007, 2008, and 2009. Also state MVP in uh, in those three years as well. After after she graduated from Sterling, she went on and played at Iona and was a three-time All-American and four-time All-Conference and played at three NCAA uh, championships. Amy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me and asking me to get interviewed. Are you hanging in there kind of kind of during the like, like the COVID-19 stuff? Yeah, it's it's been some weird adjustments. It's obviously a bizarre time right now. Um, but I actually I adopted a puppy. <laughs> so she's like my emotional support animal right now because <laughs> I'm home all the time now and I usually am not. So I got a little puppy and um So what's on a puppy? She's a, a Maltese Shih Tzu, so she's really little. She's really small, and I got her because I thought it would be smart for you know a condo dog. And um, but she's a firecracker. She's still like keeping me busy, and, and I'll even be in like right? so, what's that? And barks at everything, probably right. So. Yeah, she's she's nuts, but she's been a good distraction right now. So when did you get her? I got her about a month ago, right when we started going into quarantine. Um, I've always wanted a dog, but like I said, I'm always gone, uh, for work, um, and running around. So I didn't think it would be, you know, a good time to puppy train. So now is the time to take advantage. And my boyfriend finally was convinced that way that I could get one. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah, well, good. That was, I wasn't asking you, are you doing anything fun and exciting? And there you go. You have a dog. So I that, do. Is, that is more than enough. It's more yeah, than enough. We have, we have two big uh, golden retrievers back at our house. So, and, um, but here, um, I know that this is, yeah, this is going to go on the TX water pole podcast. Have you been following like the best of Texas kind of brackets and such? I know your team I still is, yeah, is in the semifinals now. So yes, exactly. Um, I have a little bit and I've listened to a few interviews and um, it's interesting because I, you know, I hear it's, I was in a different perspective, you know, I was the athlete at the time. So it's so interesting to hear from like coach Mack talking about the seventies, eighties. And um, <laughs> so I'm like, what? Um, and also even the bracket situation, of course, I've got some pride and a little bias to it. I'm like, you know, thinking, of course, I'd like to be on the, the winning bracket. So well, it's, I, think, I think it's a great idea. I think Ross Schilling was well represented on both the boys and girls side, and they have three girls teams in, in the final four. Yes. So, and that's, you know, I think during that time, Sterling was strong all around, um, both men and women. Like you oh, yeah. said, a lot of us went to play college water polo. Um, if we didn't, it's because they didn't want to. Um, all of us were in the club team. So it was a strong 
all around program. Um, so I would and, hope to see them both <laughs> on the final four, at least, I mean, or the top. And yeah, and they were strong from basically the mid eighties to the mid 2010s. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like the one, like the one question I've had from people that didn't necessarily play back then. They're like, what's Ross Sterling? Yeah. That's yeah. nuts to me. That's yeah. that like blows my mind. I go, um, what are you talking about? But then I have to think if they haven't been as strong the last few years, but that, does, but that doesn't take away from kind of, kind of how good they were for a long, long time. So, right. Sure. And yeah, and you were part of that. And that's what, and that's what we're going to talk about. So again, you grew up in Baytown, right? Baytown, Texas. Yes. All right. So how did it you get, in, so how did you get involved in water polo? I know you started whenever you were like three years old or something like that. But <laughs> Actually, you know, I didn't start as young as I wanted to, I guess, like, you know, growing up, I always would see some people, they start earlier and I would be a little jealous, but looking back, I'm, I think I started at a great time. I started when I was 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. I started with the, you know, Baytown Tiger Sharks or whatever it was for the summer league swimming. And then I remember Scott Slay or Shelby Slay, one of them pulled me over. It was kind of a babysitting thing, on my opinion. Both my parents were teachers and they worked in the summer and um, water polo was an extra hour or two. So I was just a pool rat and they would drop me off in the morning. It was less than a mile from my house. And um, I would hang out there, swim in the summers and play water polo. And I, so I was about 11 or 12. And just going back, you made me think of it um, about the Sterling comment. I remember just being on that like ugly green deck that we used to have and looking up at the banners at the state championships and being 11 years old and thinking, wow, I want to be on that even so young. And you would see all the years that people um, had, you know, that Sterling had won for both men and women. And, and when I first started, Coach Mack was still there. I had, um, Scott was there as well. But, you know, my first couple of years in like the club level, I had Coach Mack, Scott Slay, Shelby Slay, Rudy a little bit, you know, a lot of coaches. So it was such a great environment um, to feel encouraged from all ends. But I felt really proud to be at Sterling. I felt really proud. That and, I was and, in the program. And you started about probably what about 2001 or 2002 around that time? Yeah, I think that would be it. I know Shelby Slay was in high school. <laughs> like she was winning and I thought, wow, I want to be like her. You know, this like strong woman, this girl, she's like kicking ass. And, um, you know, I remember reading an article in the Baytown Sun about like her swimsuit being ripped and she gets right back in the pool. I'm like, wow, she's a badass. I want to, I want to be like her. <laughs> so, and I mean, and that, and I mean, they were a strong, strong program. I think the Baytown Sterling team won in 2001 for both boys and girls. So that probably kind of, kind of motivated you yeah. to kind of oh. be part of that. And just a little side, like, like we talk about Sterling, you know, they may not be in the talk nowadays as far as the high school teams out there, but mm -hmm. I played in a high school state championship back at Ross Sterling back in the late eighties, early nineties. So <laughs> at that pool. So could you imagine at that pool, a high school state championship? Wow. Probably not. No, I can't. No, yes. But, uh, but no, but um, no, but I mean, no, I mean, obviously like you started playing kind of with the summer league team and then you started playing a, a, like a little bit more club in year round. And then you went to like kind of tournaments like speedo cup. So kind of tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, my first trip um, away even from home by myself, it started with water polo. And that really was like the segue. It was foreshadowing my whole life, honestly, of just mm -hmm. traveling for water polo. So I went to Speedo Cup. Um, 
and I had, you know, my best friends with me at Katie Vesquez and Madison Pepper was there, I think. And of course, like, you know, the men's side too, it was so fun. You know, you had Matt Chapa, Zane and um, just the crew. And we went to Speedo Cup in Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. Is Missouri. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Um, it was just a blast, but that was a, the first time I had um, a few things. One, like a wake up call that, wow, there's water polo that's bigger than us, you know, yep. it's um, eye opening. And it was also my first time that I got really competitive because I knew that I wasn't like the top tier of my team. I knew that I was, you know, I didn't get as much playing time or um, I could tell that I was viewed a little bit less skilled or talented. So I, I really sparked my competition that way because I thought, wow, I want to play the whole time. I want to be the best. So it was a really cool experience to go there. And um, we even went to Albuquerque one year. We drove mm-hmm. on a bus there for like eight hours. Um, you I know, heard and- about that story where like – kind of didn't the toilet break down or something like that yes the toilet broke down (laughs) and so we're in this you know big bus for hours going to this you know tournament and we're like this is just we we did it to save money but I mean it wasn't worth it I mean that was ridiculous but hey but it's a good story it's one of those things where (laughs) I think I blacked some of it out I'm so sorry (laughs) in the moment you're like oh my god I can't believe I did this but here but for the speedo cup how many speedo cups yeah, yeah, did you plan? And for those that don't know, Speedo Cup is what is now called Champions Cup. It's the tournament, it's the eighth grade and under boys and girls tournament that that happens every November. And, and this past November, it was at the University of Houston kind of actually. So that is, I mean, that in itself to me is, I mean, it's really cool that it's in Houston now, but that is impressive that it's, you know, that just says a lot about Texas water polo that we're part of, you know, we hosted the, the, we oh, hosted yeah. it one year. I oh, think yeah. that's really cool. Um, but, but I went, I was there three years, um, I, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. That's the three years that I went. So how was that going as a sixth grader? Like, obviously there were some <laughs> older players there with you and you were just probably yeah. in awe with your eyes wide open. Yeah. Like that. That's when, um, and I, and I keep thinking of the plaques that we had when you <laughs> would go, you know, to get like, um, the picture the, of yourself and, Actually, I remember my parents couldn't go. So my parents, like I said, they're school teachers. We had, I had two other siblings, like they can't go to these trips with me. Sure. So I had one of the parents, she even bought me like a action shot and the action shot, like looking back, I was like, my chin's in the water. Like, you know, I could barely swim with the ball, but she got it for me. And I remember I had it forever in my room and, you know, we have the awkward team photo at the end. Um, but I was, yeah, sixth grader, not with my parents. I was just, you know, kind of had the coaches watching me like, sorry, Scott. <laughs> and, a- you know, and I just um, remember just looking up to a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of learning that trip. You know, and then it must've like changed that. a lot between your, yeah, like your sixth grade year and your eighth grade year. Obviously yeah. you went back as an eighth grader. Yeah. You were probably like the big alpha female on the team. Right. Like that. So yeah, I think I grew a lot too in that time as far, not physically, but as far as just my IQ, my water polo IQ. And I was able to compete with a lot of those teams that I didn't feel comfortable before. That's when I grew a lot of confidence. And like I said, back to the competitive thing, by the time I was in eighth grade, I was starting and, you know, playing every minute. And then I was very excited to play at Sterling the next year. So for me, that was a good, a good feeling. But weren't you also, I mean, I forget exactly what place you guys got, but weren't you competitive with like the top teams at Speedo Cup that year too? Yes, we were. I don't remember um, exactly what, you know, what 
place we got, but I do know that we started to kind of that group of people, probably some of the people in that 2007 group that is in the bracket that should win. There you <laughs> go. There you go. It's okay. Pump them up. Little messages. Okay. But okay. I remember that's when we all started growing. It wasn't just me that was growing as a player. It was all these other women. And um, I think that's when people started noticing us too. You know, we started kind of making a name for ourselves even then at Speedo Cup. Yeah. Um, so it was and the, and, and then that took you guys into high school. And a lot of those kids that were on that Speedo Cup team also went to Ross Sterling High School at the same time. Yes. And that, and, that, and that kind of had that kind of that core group, kind of what you were saying as that group that's like the, like the Sterling girls kind of dominated from about 2007 all the way up to about 2014. Um, so, like, I mean, that was like the core group that kind of got that started. Um, like, I think you guys had a bunch of freshmen and maybe a, a couple sophomores that almost – almost one state year freshman year. Um, I think you lost to Umble that year, but then that just kind of got you guys on a roll starting your sophomore year and beyond, right? Right. Yeah. That was a good way to, you know, kind of kick us off. Just even like our passion for water polo, we had it before we were even freshmen in high school. So we were kind of ahead of the curve in that way, I think, mm -hmm. um, because we all did, we all competed together and we were all best friends and hung out together. I mean, it was our, you know, it was our, daycare this is everything so um we are really ready to kick off the season so what did you think about scott as a coach back then because that was whenever scott had transitioned to being the head coach for, mm -hmm. you know for mac that was probably quite a difference right yeah and I, in fact my eighth grade year that's when mac retired or not retired he went to uh saint agnes or and lamar. i what's that he went to lamar lamar sorry mm -hmm. um and that's whenever I, I do remember even feeling sad because I had always wanted him to coach me, you know, cause I growing up, I would just remember his loud voice and I don't know. I thought, <laughs> Oh, I get great. It. And then Scott Slay and comes in and, you know, that was truly, that was, I don't know, not a catalyst, but I think that was a very important time of my life. And it was really important that he was my coach because he was very good at, um, humbling me in a way like he oh, yeah. always put me in my place and um, in fact it was hard to even get a squeeze a compliment out of him so and I think he was also probably transitioning as a coach to himself like he was probably transforming and he was you know in this um, head coach capacity so looking back as a coach myself now I can kind of see you know he's younger and probably trying to keep these this little sassy girl from Baytown in her place the whole time so um, I don't think you were I, the only I, sassy girl from Baytown, by yeah, the way. Yeah, there are a few sassy girls from Baytown. <laughs> it's like part of our criteria. And that's okay. That's okay. They're uh, like, let's just say the Dirty Bay moniker was earned, right? So Yes. We, <laughs> Dirty Bay. We were pretty proud of that, too. No, no, no. And and I completely kind of understand. But you, but you guys pretty much dominated. So like between your sophomore year and your senior year, did you guys lose the game? I don't think we did. Not, not with high school. Yeah. No, yeah. no I mean. Not, I mean, not one. In fact, our, my senior year, the um, championship game, I don't remember the score, but I know it was in the double, it was 20s to two or something. Like it was. Yeah, like the, that was yeah. against Stratford. And I don't think Scott, let, let's say Mike Hoskovic kind of wasn't a big fan of that at, yeah, just at the time. But, um, but I mean, you were, yeah, during that, during your junior, senior year, you also went through to what we, to what Mac and I kind of dubbed the Civil War a little bit mm -hmm. kind of when there was a fall state championship and the Tisca water polo spring championship. Mm -hmm. 
going through that as a player, how was that uh, like, how did that go with you? Did you care? It was just, it, it was just water. I did care. I did care. Um, I think that's an interesting question because I remember feeling um, a sense of uncertainty during it because I don't know, you know, you're used to one way and even, you know, when you're in like those years that I was in Speedo Cup and club, you're used to looking forward to a certain time of your life. And then when you finally get to there and it changes, it's a little disruptive. Um, but I remember just kind of honestly being loyal to whatever Scott wanted. So maybe I didn't even have my own opinion, but I was very loyal to, you know, whatever his opinion was. So it was a weird time, but by, by the time I was a senior, it's like, whatever, I was over it. So, um, well, but I mean, it was a little weird. I mean, and also you were on some of probably what I would, yeah, kind of what I would kind of consider the, it's, it's not just the best kind of high school group that I think for girls ever, but you're also part of some of the better club kind of group of girls as, mm -hmm. yeah, like as well, especially like your 16 and your 18 and, and under years, like, you know, like the non-Sterling girls were what, uh, Taylor Barnett, mm -hmm. there was a couple of kind of others that I can't think of. Taylor and, Silva. There I you mean, go. Clear Lake girls and, and boys. Yeah, um, I mean, and yeah, and those were some of the strongest teams and, and for those that are listening, I mean, you guys were out at JOs and like, and this was back whenever there was only the 48 girls, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like the 48 kind of girls teams. You were at JOs saying competing for top 10. Yeah. At that point. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And not just hoping to get into platinum, which is no. the top 24. Yeah. No, so, I mean, I mean, and that, and yeah, and that must've been kind of fun, right? Yeah. Those are, I mean, those are the best trips of my life. I mean, the, all around, not just being with your friends and going on a road, to, you know, to California, but the competitive um, games were so challenging, just mentally and physically. And, um, you know, you learn every game you're done and you feel like you're beat up and you just learn so much because you're playing against people who play that same level every weekend. So you felt like, you know, David Goliath all the time, you have a chip on your shoulder um, you go in there, you know, you want to show them who's, you know, we can play at tech in te from Texas and of course. just a lot going on when you go into that, like, it's like an arena, you know, when you oh, yeah. go in to the games and being competitive helps a lot because, you know, it's one thing to go in and you're like, crap, I'm going to get my ass handed to me. But when you actually have good people on your team, mm -hmm. you get a little bit more fiery, um, and more competitive. So, I mean, that's what. I think is amazing to me, even like from a coaching perspective now, like going back to it, whenever I am coaching athletes that were my age at the time, I, I'm, I wish I knew how talented we were at the time. You know, I wish we really, I, I don't know. I, I didn't realize it, how good we had it. Well, I mean, there was, a, I mean, y'all were a great team and a little side note, after I moved up to Dallas in the summer of 2009, we went out there and I guess it was actually the summer of 2010. And we were out there for our, like I had brought a Dallas water polo girls kind of a club team out there and I actually left them kind of with some coaches and some other parents. And I actually went and watched uh, you guys play one time. It was at <laughs> USC. Yeah. I mean, I think I said hi just because I mean, this is a lot oh, of the girls. Right. That, I mean, so this was a, a lot of the girls that I kind of helped kind of coach yeah. like kind of oh, yeah. a little bit and such of like that. So you were a big impact to us. Um, I'm not just saying that cause you're interviewing me, but you really were, um, it wasn't just Scott Slay. We had a lot of coaches that helped us. 
but I do think um, you had a big impact on that discipline we were talking about before with with playing in players as far as little things like going to the two two meters and winging right. out properly, playing defense properly, keep your hips up, et cetera. I can go on and on. Yeah. But you, I mean, Scott, you know, you guys have your strengths in different no, ways, but yes, you certainly um, instilled a discipline in the Dirty Bay girls that I think we needed. You know, like Scott almost let us out of our cage and let us go. You kind of brought us back in uh, to an extent. So it was kind of a good team, you know, a good pairing, I think, that we had. But we were fortunate that we had you during that time, too, because of um, those fun different kind of fundamentals that we were disciplined with. Yeah, so I always I always joke around with people, you know, kind of whenever Scott and I started kind of working together, I probably kind of showed him how to be a little bit more organized as yeah, as far as practice, but he showed me how to kind of loosen up a little bit and yes, have a little bit right. of fun it's and stuff different. like that. So <laughs> yeah. and and I think we worked really well together and I think the kids enjoyed it and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. but and one of those things that we did at that time also is and, and I know this upset the boys to all not, but we brought the girls out to the women's open in 20 under national championships, mm -hmm. which for those that are just listening and, and have never heard about it, this is, a, this is like the Super Bowl for the women's water pool. Yeah. Yeah. Just out there. And it was the 20 and under championships kind of were a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then the open championships were a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I know that you went out there on those trips and uh, was it, um, I kind of brought you guys out there just to, I didn't think that we were going to win the tournament, but I wanted to <laughs> do something a little bit more challenging and different kind of, kind of for that main group that was uh, like kind of to push them. So we had a couple kids back from college that, that played, but our average age was about 16. How did you like those trips? Cause you were on the younger age then, I think that yeah. you, were, you were like the 16 or 17 at that time. I think one of the trips I was the youngest um, or me and Katie, we were the, we were yep. the youngest. Um, and that was, oh my, that was one of my favorites was the first year we went, even though we lost every game except one or two. We always um, won a game in every tournament. We never got last. Okay. I do remember that. I do remember that. So there you go. Yeah. But that was the year I played with um, girls that were older than I was um, and talented that had played in college or maybe they just graduated like Kristen Barnett, for example, yep. um, among a few others. So for me, that was a really good experience to be with them and learn from them and um, teach me, a, you know, different, I guess it's a different way of playing sometimes too. Like you have to switch gears. I was used to kind of being the leader on a team and then all of a sudden I'm with them and I have to, you know, be adaptable. So that was a good lesson for me, but I mean, it was incredible to play against really talented teams. And I think we played against Betsy Armstrong, you know, Nyack. And now yeah. like looking back, I'm like, wait, I was playing on Nyack two years ago even, but um, I remember when we scored on Betsy Armstrong, I'm like, yes, like we were so excited and there you go. Um, just little things like that. And, 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 and I think that second year we went, I think we lost a game in overtime against SoCal that would have put us in the top eight for the 20 and under where, I mean, I think we were even beating SoCal until they scored like in the last minute or mm -hmm. so. So, I mean, that group of girls was, again, I will say this, that was one of the most talented group of girls that like, Oh, your group a couple years ahead of you and a couple years behind you. That was mm -hmm. about, 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 about six years of just strong kind of female water polo. Mm -hmm. so, I agree. And, and then, then after you graduated and you did all that, then you went out to Iona and played. Yes. How did you pick Iona? Why Iona? Um, well, I had 
well, spoke with you, actually. I remember you Long time um, ago, yeah. spoke with my dad and I talking about options for me. And yep. I was considering big schools such as Michigan, UCLA, USC. I mean, I was really thinking about those schools and considered seriously Michigan um, and took a trip out there and everything. But ultimately, Iona gave me what I really wanted, which was a chance to, one, develop as a player, um, be in a place I wanted to be near Manhattan, um, and I wanted to play. So I knew that um, if I went to one of the bigger schools, yes, I would play, but not the extent that I wanted to. And um, also, it kind of came down to money, ultimately. Like, what am I, I'm forgetting one of the main parts. Course, um, yeah. You know, if you get a full ride at one place, it's hard to turn it down to go pay out-of-state tuition at another. I didn't have the means to go, you know, my, my chances – Pickens were slim for me in a way. So, so you got a full ride for academics and athletics to go to Iowa? Yeah, I, yes. Ultimately, I, I, I was very, I was taken care of. I'm very fortunate. So that's um, one thing that I do still tell people when I'm coaching, and I remind other girls that I still stay in contact with when I was coaching in California two years ago. Um, I just keep trying to remind them that it does not, I mean, you can figure it out. You can play, even if you don't think you're the best, there is a school for you. There's a way you can figure it out. If a girl from Baytown, Texas, who didn't have much money, you know, I, I had no choice. I, I knew I had a, um, my ticket out of there was academics and athletics. And even if you don't have one or the other, I mean, you can figure it out. Um, if you do the work and do your research and, find your contacts to help you to find the right school for you. So I was very fortunate. I already had Kathleen link. We, you know, it was a form is a Texan. She was yep. already there. So that was helpful. Like we had a connection, you knew Brian Kelly and, um, that was a com you know, it helped me to be comfortable. And after that recruiting trip and I'm, you know, in the city, I'm like, how can I not go here? This is great. And, exactly. and Brian Kelly's really good at selling you for Iona. He's like taking you to Nyack, like, Hey, you can play with Nyack in the summers and which he's right. I mean, I did, but yeah. he was, and he's really good at selling Iona. <laughs> he's good at selling uh, and like kind of, kind of Iona and he's a good motivator too. He will get the kids ready to play. Yeah. Uh, like, like and going. And if you missed it at the beginning, um, Amy was all conference, I think first team all four years, correct? And also an all American three times and played at three NCAA champions uh, kind of ship tournaments. Just tell us about like the water polo kind of in college. Good, bad, what? Well, I mean, a little bit of everything because Iona was an interesting place because you know how it feels to win, but you know how it feels to lose. And what I mean by that is you're not, you know, you can win, um, you know, the games in your conference, but you also had really competitive ones like with Marist or Wagner. Mm -hmm. um, and then you would also go to a California trip and play top 10 schools and get your butt kicked. So I, you know, I felt like I had a good dynamic there. Um, I had a good team, my, especially my freshman year. I was four. I mean, I, I was able to start my freshman year and I was, that means, I mean, I basically got a lot of playing time. I played almost every minute starting my freshman year. Um, and that's because I think I really gelled with the starters already. So I was playing with seniors and juniors, but I think he was able to just kind of put me wherever. That was one of my, um, kind of got lucky that way, honestly. Yeah. It's not like I was just a goalie or, you know, only two meter, like I can kind of do whatever. So I was really able to develop and um, we went to a lot of 
tournaments all over the Northeast. We went to Michigan, California, and then of course, NCAA. Um, to go to the NCAA, you have to win your conference. So the first time we went, my freshman year was the first time I owned a one, um, the MAC championships. So not only was it the first time we won a conference, we went to NCAA and competed for the top eight uh, teams. So when you go there, it just felt um, like you're, I don't know, like you're, I don't mean to like put water polo down, but you know, we're not treated the same collegiately as other sports, obviously, because we're not the money oh, maker. Okay. But so, you're still treated well. Oh yeah, we're still, yeah. I mean, we get gear, we get, everything's compensated, you know. Yeah, exactly. Don't get me wrong. I think it's I'm still the NCAA championships. It's, it's, yeah, it's just not on ESPN. That's all. So. Right. And uh, to be fair, some of them were, you know, it was really well done as far as streaming live. So your parents can see from home and um, you still got a lot of gear. And when you go to NCAA, it's, it's not the conference taking care of you. It's NCAA. Yep. So you get all this nice gear, you get interviews pre and post game. And it was just, it was really cool to, um, to be treated like that. And, know that other people viewed your sport and what you're doing as important. Now, one thing that I remember talking to Brian Kelly, you know, kind of, kind of during your uh, kind of the, while he was recruiting you, he was like, what position is she? I go, well, we don't really have a position here. She's utility. So we try to teach all of them kind of to do everything. Um, Amy can do pretty much everything very, very well. Um, so that's kind of still, I know, I know that's what a lot of coaches here in Texas kind of kind of try to instill because they might be a center player on their club team, but they might be a, an attacker on their high school team, but then they get to college and they might be a center defender. So, I mean, going into college with that background. So do you think that, that, yeah, that hurt or helped you? Oh, it definitely helped. I think um, that's just even more, I mean, it just goes back to what I was saying that I think that's why I was able to be a starter my freshman year because I wasn't the best, you know, yet. I wasn't quite there, but I had the potential to be and I still was able to help the team. And I think he was able to see that. Um, and, you know, having a good team around you helps you to be successful. So if I have a good teammates around me, of course, they can make me look good, you know, but I also, it's not like I needed to score every game. If he wanted me to play two meter defense, then that's where I was at. So um, I think that was really helpful that we were able to just kind of learn every, um, you know, utility, like you said, you're able to do it, do it all. Now also in college, you went out and played in these different tournaments and then you got to see all your buddies from Texas. Well, yeah, yeah. Was that kind of fun, right? That was the best. Uh, we always would take pictures every time you see Taylor at Bucknell, Tara at Michigan, Allie when she was at Maryland and, um, you know, any of the California girls, it was, that was the best feeling. And then to be in the locker rooms with them after and just like shooting the shit and just talking about everything. And, um, it was so, such a good feeling, especially a lot of the times my parents didn't even get to watch me play. Like my parents didn't really see my games. So it felt amazing. I felt so proud, you know, when I would see Taylor and like, Hey guys, my friend Taylor, you know, I would, I'd be really proud, you know, to, it's like having family there. I mean, yeah, but it's also kind of nice to see. I mean, I think I went out. Yeah, yeah. Did I see you? And I think I saw you play one time. You and you and Kathleen out in uh, mm -hmm. out like out, out in Cal Baptist. But it's just it's just kind of seeing all these Texas kids. That just made that that must have kind of made you feel kind of a, a little proud about. Hey, listen, we oh, yeah, we are good. 
because even though you got to kind of kind of Iona, there's still the quote unquote the California girls, right? And absolutely. And then they didn't. Oh God, kind of you're from Texas. Once they saw you play, they probably didn't care. Right. But you're like, hey, look, there's more of me. There's a lot of them. Right. right? That's so, I mean, a great point because I've always had a chip on my shoulder with that. I think, and um, they always it gave me a lot of pride to have them be like, you know, I'd be proud of Madison Pepper and say, yeah, she's from Texas. You know, I, I definitely had a lot of pride with that. That was Joe's conversation with Texas superstar, Amy Olson. And there's going to be more of that presumably at the end of this week. But uh, aside from that, we're done again once more. Thank you, Joe. Thanks James. I appreciate it. And don't forget to tune in to the uh, Texas coach coaches or the Southwest zone town hall meetings. Yeah, we got, you have one more vote, people. That's it. I mean, vote for your favorite Baytown Sterling team. That's the way it's going to line up. So we'll come out it'll, with those announcements. It'll, it'll end on what, Tuesday, May 11th? Tuesday right? at noon. Yep, I closed closed the polling around then. So uh, it'll open up here pretty soon. It'd be great to have a huge turnout. It'd be fun. So, Allie, get all your Baytown Sterling fans to get out there to vote. It'll be good. So, <laughs> so and uh, we're also trying to line up somebody for next week to interview. We'll let you know as soon as we can. But uh, hopefully, somebody pretty good. So, um, but anyway, thanks to Amy Olson for taking time to talk with us, and thanks to all of you listeners and for telling friends about the TX Waterpolo podcast. Find us at txwaterpolo.com. Find us on social media. Leave comments. Give to the cause, and stay up to date about the state of the game in Texas. But until next week, so long from Austin. Yeah, just take care. Be safe. Been a production of TWP Sports LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can hear him.